Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is episode 73 with Shala Abidoye. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast. Where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxit. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have with me Shola Abidoye, and she is um, the world's number one expert on CRSP. And what CRSP is, is controllable, repeatable, scalable, predictable digital sales growth for uh, for leading authors, advisors, and sellable companies. Now, she's grown more than three companies by 10,000% in five years, and her clients include Market leading New York Times, USA Today, and Amazon best selling experts. So I can't wait to, to really get into a lot of what she does, but um, welcome to the show, Shola. Thanks for having me, and uh, how are you doing today? I'm delighted to be with you and your audience. Uh, well, it's, a, it's my pleasure. So, can you, can you give us more of your background? Because we were talking before the call, and, and it's apparent that you've done a lot more than your, bio, than your bio um says, and I want to make sure we have a full. Um, you know, idea of what your journey has been like. Well, to give you the um, the Twitter version, so to speak, I have <laughs> been a um, I've been a full time entrepreneur since uh, May of 2007. So my story is really uh, similar to a lot of people who maybe have uh, international parents. So my mom is a native Washingtonian, and my father is from Ikiti in uh, Nigeria, and he came to the States to study at George Washington University in, uh, in D.C., and, and they met. And like, a many, like many international um, kids, we, after my parents finished graduate school, we went back to Nigeria. And you know from um, similar stories that people who you know, tend to immigrate to the States have to have their, their hustle. So my, I grew up, you know, knowing that my dad was an entrepreneur, and even my mom, who's a psychologist, she as well had uh, several small businesses. She ran a restaurant, and she had a side consulting business. So you could say that I was 
really raise an entrepreneurial culture, but to really give you a sense of the day that I decided that I was going to be an entrepreneur, I decided to go to graduate school in Stockholm, Sweden at the Royal Institute of Technology. And toward the end of finishing my master's studies, the Guardian newspaper came out with a really great story called The 1000 Best Books That You Have to Read Before Dying. And I really remember sitting there and reading those books in the afternoon. I'm not going to lie, I was cutting class. Sweden is beautiful during the uh, spring and the flowers were out and I just decided to, you know, stay home that day. And I happened to come across this article and I remember distinctly, like it was yesterday, looking at that book and saying to myself, you know what, if I get a regular job, I literally will never have time to read every one of these books. So I need to do something different. So you might say that having grown up in an entrepreneurial family and then having that uh, um, situation where you realize that if you take the traditional route, you'll just never get to do what you want to do in life. That was like the turning point for me. So since uh, then, um, I have been a full-time entrepreneur working with a variety of different customers and clients. I've run a product business as well as a consulting business. And at the moment, through, uh, through entrepreneurship, I'm able to enjoy the lifestyle that I have now, which is living part of the year on the East Coast part of the year here in Baja outside of San Diego. And also I spent a lot of time in um, Europe because I, I feel like it's a second home for me. So that's the gist of it. Well, you know, and that's, it's fascinating because we, we share a lot of parallels. I mean, not only show how you, um, you know, Nigerian as well. You you went to Stockholm, and I I used to live in Stockholm. And oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. For the first time, for the, the second two years of my life. Uh, oh there. wow! So I, I was there. My younger brother was actually born there. But you know what you touched on, and and um, what was really attractive to me when when we first got introduced is is how you you um you you know you introduce yourself. And if you allow me, I'll, I'll just read your LinkedIn bio, and that was really intriguing to me because you you go. Picture this. Suppose you were born to an American mother and psychologist from Southeast Washington, D.C., the first place, the first person in a working class family to earn a doctorate degree, and then a Yoruba Nigerian man who was an engineer, the boarding school educated son of a chief. Would it lead to complex prism of diverse social, economic, and international experiences, an ability to connect with almost anyone? Not only that, suppose you exit an investment, take two years off, an Airbnb around the globe from Baja to Budapest and a few places in between. And as luck would, as luck would have it along the way, it missed the ephemeral pleasures of dinners along the Danube, midsummer's jaunts along the Baltic Sea, m- midnight interludes light, uh, lit by you know Mediterranean moonlight, and then you discover a local charity mission in northern Mexico. So... I was reading that, and then you clearly... Wow, I'm blushing here. <laughs> I was reading that, and you clearly, obviously, um, um, were someone that interacts with so many cultures, but you've also had um, experiences that, that go across just not just diversity, but the socioeconomic uh, aspects of it, and you've somehow mastered the ability to be able to, I don't know if fit in is the right word, but to be able to, to coexist in these, in these uh, environments. And I'm just curious, you know, you read those books... And you decided you really wanted to dive into full-time entrepreneurship. What was the first thing really that really triggered it and said, you know what, I'm taking this gamble and I want to travel the world without doing this? Well, I, I, can, I mentioned sort of my cultural background because I think that a lot of what keeps people from becoming an entrepreneur is fear, right? So the, uh, if you believe anything that the experts say, and I'll quote Dan Sullivan, who's the head of strategic coach, 
anywhere from five to seven percent of the population is an entrepreneur, right? They are professional entrepreneurs. Some can say you were born an entrepreneur. Others can say that you decided to become one. But in any case, most people on the planet aren't entrepreneurs, right? So as a social species, if I can get a little philosophical, like we're programmed from birth to want to fit in, right? So for me, like I never really fit in anywhere and which enabled me to fit in kind of everywhere, right? So my, you know, a good friend of, of mine from elementary school jokes that we're all mutts, right? So the thing is that it's like when you when you come from these different cultures and when you live in different places, you realize that each one of those places or cultures are part of you. And so you mix that all up and what you get is, the, you know, a situation where you're comfortable uh, many different places, which ultimately makes, I think, entrepreneurship a little easier for you because to become an entrepreneur first of all you have to get really good at rejection right so if you think about the core job of any entrepreneur is to deliver value in the form of sales so even the best sales presentations anywhere from seven to nine people out of ten are going to say no so who decides to pick a job where most people are going to tell you no, right? Like, so you're already picking a career where you are different than most people, and then you're picking a career where most people are going to tell you no, you must be a glutton for punishment. So to pull everything together, I can say that I feel that my background enabled me to get comfortable in environments or with things that your typical person doesn't have to. And if you're not willing to get comfortable doing the things that most people won't do, I think it was uh, a really smart lawyer out of, of Florida. His name is Willie Gray. He's a, a superb lawyer, and he said that if you want to have the things that most people don't have, you need to be willing to do the things that most people won't do. Won't do I yeah. think that, yeah, so basically most people aren't um, in a position where they're comfortable outside of their social circles, or most people aren't willing to hear no all the time. So I think when you tie all those things together, you kind of get the person that... Um, you know, I am today, however flawed, but continuously working on lifelong learning and um, personal development. Yeah, I love it. And then, you know, there's that commitment to personal development. And you're so right about entrepreneurship, by the way. It's a, it's one of those things I always find that the biggest fear is, is ourselves. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's 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 getting over, if for lack of a better word, yourself. When you're saying getting over yourself, it's not because you're too confident. It's because you're, you actually lack the confidence sometimes to do it because, you know, it's it's really taking that leap. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it can either go extremely well or extremely bad. And people are afraid of that, that sort of extremes and lack of certainty with that. But um, then... You know, that's all, often always the difference between a good and a great life, you know. So it's, 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 it's guys good and bad, but I think once you take that journey, it's what you discover by yourself is often more valuable than what you would, um, you know, the, tim the timidity of not doing that. So I, I certainly agree I with you agree, that. I couldn't agree more. And I think part of it involves really getting super serious about your influences. So people in your audience, for instance, are doing themselves a service by listening to shows like yours, right? Because I can guarantee you that what they're hearing in the mainstream isn't going to be what they're hearing on your show. And I believe it was Darren Hardy, who was the editor of Success Magazine, who essentially said that when we think about what really makes us act, there are the influences, like the books we read, the movies we watch, even the movie, even the music that we listen to. There are the people that we socialize with, okay? And then there's our environment. 
So if you want to change anything in your life, you really have to work on those three things. And interestingly enough, environment is the thing that has the biggest impact, but it's also the hardest to change because most being location independent is still, even if you have the money to do that, like most people don't feel comfortable just moving to some random place. So I, I would say that the, the big challenge for anyone who's an entrepreneur is, first of all, you just have to have passion, right? So the thing is that, for me, having tasted freedom, so to speak, like going back to the whole nine to five type of scenario, it just, it just never would happen, right? Because it's like once you've tasted freedom, that's all you want. And so I think that if you have someone right now who's in the audience and they're probably driving down the street and they're like, yeah, I really want to do this entrepreneurial thing, you just have to want it. Like most people in life are really afraid to want something. So first give yourself permission to want what you want. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody, like people are uh, underestimate the power of like just desire, right? The things mm -hmm. that you want. Like they really are afraid to want something so bad that you can taste it because society has told us that there's something wrong with being obsessed. Obsessed just means single-minded focused, right? Oh, so yeah. You, yeah. you know, so I always say to people that for me, if you meet me, you'll quickly understand that like I'm willing to do everything and anything I have to do to get the things that I want as long as it doesn't hurt anyone or it doesn't break my own moral code, right? So you have to have, you can't just say I'm willing to do anything. Like, no, you have to have some boundaries. But most people are afraid to push themselves to the point where they're willing to do any and everything they need to as long as it doesn't break their, their moral code, right? And mm -hmm. so even giving yourself permission to do that. You see, the statistics say that if you start a business, 90% um, of businesses are going to fail in the first five years, okay? Mm -hmm. If you take that to 10 years, 80% of them are going to fail. And so if you want something that is as rare as that, you've got to be willing to do some stuff that's pretty rare, right? The mm -hmm. reason why it's such a great feel to be in. The reason why entrepreneurs are lauded around the world is that the payoff is so humongous, but it's because the risk is so big, right? So step one is, you know, risking uh, being ostracized, like getting around people who really, really want what you want and saying no to all influences. I can tell you that, like, I have zero tolerance for anyone who is like, no, you can't do this, you can't do why. Like, that's the quickest way for me to, like, unfriend you on Facebook. I mean, that's such a 21st century thing to say, but it's true. Like, I just, and, and even, like, my best friends who are entrepreneurs, whenever they come to me with the most outlandish idea, step one is I ask them, okay, is this really going to um, enrich other people as well as it's going to enrich you if the answer is yes i'm like is this something you really want if their answer is yes i'm like okay like how can i help you how can i support you to get that it could be going to the moon right so just really getting in some um, crystal clear about the role of passion and desire in your life and getting super serious about like cutting out people you know if if you're a woman like you have to cut out certain guys you know if you're a guy you just have to cut out certain like women and um, realize that the reason why we're willing to do this is because the payoff is so high. So I just get so ridiculously excited and passionate when I talk about this stuff. It's hard not to sound like I'm on a soapbox, but I just feel so um, strongly that there are people who really want that entrepreneurial dream, but they're just will. They're you know something is holding them back from going all the way. And you just got to go all the way. Like if you want it, it's just that's the only option. If you want it that bad, like you just have to go all the way. So that's just my take on stuff.
Well, there's no denying your passion. That that is <laughs> that. I was like, "Yep, breach." <laughs> I've only had one cup of coffee today, too. So. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. So, okay, so the, the, there are many, many things that you said in that that I want to pull out of. And one one reminds me of one of my my favorite quotes by Confucius is, "Who you said he who says he can and he who says he can't are both usually right." Wow. Um, and then there's also the you know the the typical ones where you hear. You know, you are the sum of the, of the five people you hang around with. Show me your friends, and I'll show you where you are. So there's that, 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 that the importance of surrounding yourself with people that elevate you is is, is key to success. You know, if you're surrounded around, surrounded by so much negativity, you know, it, there's no way it's not going to seep into you. And you know, they, you know, everybody is going to limit you and say you can't do this, you can't do this, and then you start to believe yourself. So um, absolutely. And uh, the, the 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 analogy that I like to give to people is that it only takes one drop of dye to make an entire um, gallon or pitcher of water go bad, right? So in other words, just one small bit of doubt or negativity can turn what would be a masterpiece of your life into something mediocre, right? So chances are, if you're listening to this show, no, there's no chances are. If you, First of all, if you're just listening to this, right, think about everything else you could be doing today. You could be shopping for shoes, you know you shouldn't be buying no shoes, girl, okay? God, <laughs> like, you, know, you could be PlayStation. Now, you know you should not be playing PlayStation like, uh, in the evening. Like, think about everything you could be doing, but you're not doing it. You're listening to the show. So you should just accept the fact that you are different. You are just a little bit special. Anytime you de- actively decide to do something that is different than the societal norms, you're pushing against the status quo, which means you're different, right? So if you're doing all those things, then just don't do it a little bit. Like, do it a lot. Like, everything that you want, whether it's in the area of health, wealth, or relationships, can be improved by being a successful entrepreneur. You see, oftentimes people will want to come an entrepreneur because they're like, oh, I want that material thing. But no, like, your relationships can get a lot better, right? Like, when you have the time to spend with all those people you've been saying you're going to call or go see, but you haven't, those relationships are going to be improved, like health. I mean, how many of us have had issues, you know, with our weight going up and down again just because of stress at work, right? And every other area of life. So think about entrepreneur as a, a, a entrepreneurship as a lover, not just to improve your material life, but to improve all areas of your life, your spiritual life, like your relationships, your health. And then you'll give it the attention that it deserves in your life because the bottom line is that if you're going to start a business, a business is like a jealous lover. Like he won't let you see other people. Like you have to, you have to be willing to love it to the point where your relationship is so close that, you know, your relationship, she, uh, with your business, you can call her she, you can call her he, I choose to call, call my business. He, you know, will give you the things that um, a job won't. So, I mean, again, like it's, it's hard not to talk about this stuff because I know that, you have listeners in your audience who just really want to take that step, but gotcha. they're they're scared and they need to know that there are people like you and there are people like me who you know they've been where um, those folks are and there is um, there is a, a, a next step and the next step is getting the results that you want. So that's just how I I see things. All right, no, I love it. Now talk to me about your CRSP and how you've uh, maybe you can give some examples of how you've worked with authors, advisors, and celebrity companies because you you're. You know, you've done a lot of stuff with uh, building companies, um, and you've also helped people increase their brand. But I love the way you, you use the acronym CRSP, you know, controllable, repeatable, scalable, and predictable digital growth. So I'd love to give you a chance to just um, elaborate on those concepts. 
Right. Well, I can tell you that the the um, genesis of this methodology for growing businesses called CRISP, right, really was born out of the, you know, the desire that I talked about earlier, which is, okay, you want this great business. Yes, thanks to talk all this personal development stuff about environment and, and, and being, you know, the, the, being around the top five people who make you feel good and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, if you're not selling, then you're going back to your job. So, <laughs> well, that is true. Yeah. So Chris stands for, like I said, sales that are controllable, repeatable, scalable, and predictable. And the whole notion around Chris is that as an entrepreneur, you have to learn certain skills. And those skills are sales or revenue generation. You have to become a professional revenue generator in the business. Why? Because ultimately, you want your business to de deliver revenues or income on a weekly, on a daily, on a monthly basis that is consistent as any job you have, right? So the thing is that if you had a job in the past, the owners of that company figured out how to have cash flow in and out effectively enough and consistently enough and controllably enough that every time their payroll was due, they could pay it, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be working for a company. And so similarly, if we're going to have businesses that sustain us, we need to figure out how to create a sales system that delivers revenues on a controllable, on a, on a repeatable, on a scalable, and a predictable way, right? Because the thing is this, imagine if you have 10 potential customers and they're thinking about how am I going to spend my money today? The reality of the situation is that people are always making a, a choice down one of three roads when it comes to a purchase decision. They're deciding whether or not they're going to buy anything, so they have to sell themselves. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sells an idea that they actually need to purchase a so solution in a world of free information, free products, free everything. They're going to decide if they're going to buy from your competitor, and then they're going to decide finally if they're going to buy from you, right? So the essence of a effective sales message is really getting crystal clear about the answer to why someone should buy from you. You see, if you put 100 entrepreneurs in a room, you can ask them, what do you sell? And they'll quickly be able to tell you. And then you ask them, well, why should I buy from you versus not buying anything or buying from your competitor? And chances are you're going to hear like chirp sounds, right? Tumbleweed. So I find that the first step in building a consistent sales process is having people understand that sales is just about messaging. It's about delivering a message to your potential prospects that, first of all, tell them why they should buy a product at all as a solution to the problem, and then understanding why uh, or delivering a message that helps people understand why they should buy from, from you versus your competitor. The way that we make the system 
controllable and repeatable is we say that if you're running in particular online business, you really need to have one earned form of traffic like social media or content marketing and one paid source of traffic, which is online advertising, because until you can go out and actually buy a customer, you're always going to be relying on those algorithm changes, right? And so the control, the control bit of our, our methodology for generating digital sales funnels is that we, we teach people that you need to have that essence of a sales funnel where you know that, okay, if I spend a dollar on traffic, then I'm going to make back a dollar and 50 cents on sales. And when you know that you can actually go out and buy your traffic, then you're able to make your uh, sales consistent because you don't, whatever, whatever happens with the Google algorithms or the Amazon algorithms, that's fine because they're always going to be selling traffic. We live in a world where any, on any given day, there are about what 25 billion ad impressions available, right? So there's no limit to how much traffic and um, conversions you can create in your business, but it all starts with first asking that quintessential sales question, which is like, why should somebody buy from you? Second, understanding that at any given point, your prospects are always choosing between whether or not to buy anything, whether or not to buy anything um, from your competitor, or whether or not to buy something from you. And then thirdly, understanding that until you can actually buy what you need, you're always going to be relying on algorithm changes that may or may not go in your in your direction. So that's the um, that's the essence of how we've been able to grow businesses, several of which have grown by ten thousand percent. So that's a thousand unit, and um, it, you know we we've been humbly able to sustain these kind of results simply because we don't just rely on free traffic, and we know that when you can buy traffic for a price that's less than what you get in revenues, you'll never be in a position where you don't get the leads into your business that enable you to sell consistently. So that's the, the model. Yeah, you, you know, one of the things you were talking about that was the scale. If, you know, you can have a passion, but if you're not selling, you're going right back to your job. Um, exactly. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's the essence of what we often talk to people about when we are chatting with folks on social media or in interviews. Like, if you want to distill everything uh, of entrepreneurship, like, think about your business like a, a person, okay? So, the first, until you get to a business gets to a million dollars, you're basically an infant, right? From one million to ten million, you're a bit of an uh, um, adolescent. Um, everything over a hundred million is full adulthood. So most businesses, if they were kids, they would be dying in infancy, right? And the reason why they die is because of a lack of, you know, sales stimulant, if you will, right? So it's like your quintessential job, if you're listening to this and your business hasn't yet hit 1 million or even 10 million, is to create a sales system. If you can create a sales system that is consistent, then all the other problems that you have will melt away, right? Because you can go out and buy solutions. You have enough, you don't have employees, okay, you can go out and buy a staffing firm. Um, you don't have a big enough office, okay, you can go out and buy office space. All the problems that you have as a business owner, sub $1 million, is really about not having a consistent sales system. And so I would say the next time you pick up a marketing book, first of all, ask yourself, is it a sales book? Oftentimes people confuse sales and marketing, right? Um, secondly, understanding that like you have to be able to buy customers. We live in a world now where you have to buy attention. You have to buy customers. And I can guarantee you that 9 out of 10 blogs out there aren't really talking to people about, well, how do you actually go out and buy a customer, right? Like if a business can't survive without revenues and you can't have revenues without customers, how do you actually go out and buy customers? 
I'm not a big fan of free, right? Free tends to be really expensive when you really break it down. So that's how our model works. Gotcha. No, no, and, and it's so true with uh, because you know I, I you know I I own a media company and what I've been working on. And a lot of times, you know, we started with the community, like you're saying, we'll build in the community, and we hit the wall. We hit the wall, uh, frankly, just because we 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 build the community. And there's only so much you can do once you have a community if you're not selling something. Um, and if, for example, if you don't even have if you have a media company, one of the business models is to get advertising, but an advertiser is going to want to have a large enough community that makes it attract to them. If you have a product, you're going to have to have that community that's big enough for you, for the view to be able to have uh, people to, to reach out to. And if your community is not big enough, how are you going to reach out to them if you don't pay to get more exposure? You know, that type of thing. And then, obviously, you want something scalable, so you always have to think of something that, that not only, it's not only going to make you money this month, but can make you money sustainably for for you know the next twelve months, because you know life of an entrepreneur sometimes it's it's always like okay this month was great but can next month be better you know or how can I do it year over year and like you were saying you constantly working up to that some people it's the first million like you said some people it's a certain milestone that they're looking for so there's always that 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 perpetual uh, step that you have to reach because you're you know to some extent you're in control of a lot of things overhead costs and many other other things so you have to recoup the costs uh, but scalability is so key. Especially in digital yeah, I business, could, I could I couldn't agree more, and that's a, that's the thing. Like, there's there are all these online marketing co- um, conferences, but people don't really, and that's one area where I feel particularly um, enthusiastic about having people first of all understand the difference between sales and marketing, right? So marketing is about generating awareness, right? So it's like, okay, you did all this to get somebody to a page. Now, if a hundred people visited your checkout page and zero of them bought you've done great marketing, but you've done no sales, right? So first of all, having a mental shift where you understand that you have a sales system and you have a marketing system. So you can um, master one way of generating traffic, which is great, and we really advocate using paid media, right? Because you can control that, right? But then once you get people to a page, how do you convert those visitors to sales? What's the exact seven-step process, right? So we'll make sure that we link out to a infographic that we use and we give it away completely free, no strings attached, walking people through a seven-step sales process, understanding that you have to sit down and really map out, okay, what is going to be the sales plan for my business, right? Like, how am I going to take people from first awareness to generating sales over and over again? And I would argue that whatever you're doing in your business, it's not your logo, it's not which WordPress theme you're using. It's not, okay, like, which angle should I be using in my corporate, like, um, photos, right? Like, none of that matters. What matters is, can you clearly define? And if you are sitting here and you're, you're challenged with a lack of sales, ask yourself the question, can I define my sales process? Can I, in 50 words or 100 words or less, describe how I generate awareness for my business and how I take folks from point of first awareness to the checkout page? And if you have challenges describing that process, chances are people have challenges buying from you, right? If you can't describe it, like, why would your customer be able to describe it? So I feel really strongly that if people can walk away from our chat today, understanding that, number one, there's a difference between marketing and sales. Number two, understanding that there's an easier way to do marketing, which is to buy your awareness, right? And number uh, number three, 
getting that they need to be able to clearly define what the sales process is in their business because everything else will take care of, their, of themselves if they can uh, define that. So that's something that I think would be just wonderful. We could have your audience walk away really thinking about, okay, am I really getting super serious on sales? Gotcha. No, no, I absolutely love it. No, and, and now I want to expand more to, to what you've done where you, you start, you're able to work in, in, in different countries in, in the world. Was there, how did you set it? on autopilot you know because essentially what you have is you've created this lifestyle for yourself where you know people say it's lifestyle this is lifestyle entrepreneurship how can others get into that type of lifestyle because a lot of people say you know what would i would give to be able to just tour or not a tour <laughs> that's for music but just go around different parts of the world and just you know and you know work in this a few a uh, few you know a few hours a week and not not necessarily but you know tim ferris has that four hour work week and that sort of promoted this lifestyle a lot of people wanted to do but a lot of people necessarily didn't think that they could do now what you've done you know is you've like you've helped businesses you've exited and you've come out and you've come back you help them grow exit and continue that cycle so how can people get into something that's that's uh kind of what you're doing where you've you've you married your expertise to all these experts and you've really just shown them um better ways to promote themselves well, Tub, one is I, I have a bit of a contrarian view, right? And I would say that there's no such thing as a um, a autopilot business, right? Like somebody has to be at the helm. So for me, I'm a big fan of building a team, right? These days, and, and that's slightly different from the whole concept of outsourcing. Everyone's probably been reading about, oh, outsourcing, find somebody in a little hut in um, Cambodia, and they'll do all your link building for you. Like, I, I really haven't found that guy. If he's listening, send me an email because I have a child for you. But in the absence of being able to find those magical people, so one is that you have to understand that unless you have other people working or systems, i.e. software working for you, you don't actually have a business. You have a you own a job, right? You own a job. So if this yeah. is right, I mean, does that does that resonate with you? I no, no, so. you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I completely agree. So it's like step one is. Um, Get away from all the myths out there that you are just going to be able to push some magical software button and then poof, you're going to be hanging out in May, uh, Maine or you know Marbella or whatever. You're going to have to learn how to delegate to people, right? So I've built a team and it's something that I am even getting better at. I invest in you know myself consultants, learning how to be a really good delegator and leader. And so when you get to the point where you have enough revenue coming in to your business to delegate many tasks that you would do yourself now you get to the point where you have a business you see the challenge most people have as particularly when they turn what they're good in uh, what they're good at into a business is that you're never going to find anyone as good as you so what you have to do is have that mindset shift right so as an example you might not be able to find someone let's say you decide you're going to start your own web design company well here's the thing You'll never be able to find someone who can create websites that are as attractive as the ones that you create. But if you can find um, somebody that does it 50% as well as you can, and there are a hundred of them out there, then you can still get far more input or rather output than you're doing it yourself. So the task is number one, understanding that you don't have to find people as good as you are and chances are you won't. But there are so many more of them than there are of you. So if you want to step away from your business, let's say that for your, for your sales engine to continue to run, you need to find someone who's really good at 
making phone sales, who's really good at online advertising, or maybe who's really good at blogging. Okay, well, you may never find someone who is as good as you, but if you can find some folks who are just like 25 or 50% and you can hire several of them, then you can step away from the business. So I would say that delegation is um, key. The other bit is understanding that obviously you have to have some automation in your business, right? So I'm a big fan of sales and marketing automation, email follow-up. You can also do voice follow-up. And you don't have to be great at that. You just have to be pretty good. So you see the average business owner doesn't follow up and they say that it takes seven touches these days to make one sale. So ask yourself right now, do you have number one, an email account, right? And if you do, do you have minimum of seven to 14 follow-up emails? Chances are, if the answer is no, then you're not making the sales that you could otherwise on autopilot. So to summarize everything, I just say number one, just getting really good at delegation and one can never get, be too good at it, but it always helps to get better and better at it. Number two, automation is key. And then number three is just understanding that there are many places in the world that are like half as expensive as your current location. So if you can move to a, a less costly part of the world, then you can take that money that you would otherwise spend on, let's say, just living, existing, and you can hire someone, right? So if you move to a great part of the world, let's say if you were living in New York and you move to Mexico or Spain, and then you cut your living expenses by 50%, well, you can still enjoy a great quality of life. But now all of a sudden, you know, you have an extra couple of thousand dollars in the bank that you can use to go and hire people. And then you can scale your business without your having to work more. So that is really the like the calculus of how you kind of build a location independent business, how you free up money to pay for labor, how you invest in software and how you get good at delegating because you understand that until other people are working for you, you just own a job, not a business. So that's how we look at things. All right. Now, good. Now, we're almost going to wrap up here, but I have two questions to, to follow up with that. What is your opinion on virtual assistants and what uh, resources can you uh, recommend for, um, you know, for, for delegating and, and just, you know, using using um, online businesses step ten. Great. So I feel really um, straightforward about this. Step one is you can look at places like Odesk or um, I think they're Upwork now. Um, yeah, Upwork, Upwork now, yeah. Yeah, um, excuse me, there's another site called People Per, per Hire. And um, a secret tip that myself and many business owners use is as follows. Number one, once you eventually hire someone good, then you offer them a bonus for referring one of their friends, right? Because we talked about birds of a feather flocking together, right? So if you offer someone, particularly if they're in a developing country, let's say 50 or $100 for a referral to a, um, a new person you want to hire, you are going to get so much um, further faster. Similarly, you can talk to any friends that you have who might have really good virtual assistants, and you just say, hey, ask one of your team members, one of your VAs, to refer me to someone. And if the person stays on for 90 days, they're going to get a bonus, right? So it's, like, it's almost like you're creating a reverse a sales funnel for your help. And the last thing I would say is that you have to realize that there are many horror stories out there about um, delegating and and hiring virtual assistants. And it's all because the entrepreneur didn't do a really good job of either training the person or giving directions, right? So at the end of the day, like you can hire someone, but you have to give them good directions. And a really great hack is... Whatever task you want to um, delegate to someone, you just do a video of yourself doing it, and then you talk through why you're actually doing what you're doing, so people kind of get the thinking behind it, and then you give the videos to the person and have them try it, right? So it's like the I, we, and then you. 
And that's an easy way to give directions without having to spend six years writing out all these written directions. And then at the end of the day, after they do the tasks um, themselves, then they can actually write out what they did and create a manual for you. So even if they walk away, now you know, you've hired someone to help you create your delegation system. And I would say that these days, if your time is worth minimum wage, right, so about 10 bucks an hour, you should not be doing tasks that you can be hiring out for $2 an hour. So if you just free up five hours a week uh, paying 2 or 3 or $5 an hour, you're going to be really surprised by the results. So I hope that is insightful to folks and um, those resources should, should help. And I'm, I'm sure they're going to be delighted to try to take action on, you know, getting a VA and delegating after they hear your show. No, well, show I, I, I've been learning. So, I mean, I, I think I think there are so many things that you had. And the great thing about what you've done today is that it's, it's almost like you were delivering a keynote speech. So you, you, were, you, were, you were saying so many, so many. Uh, Without the snores, I hope. Uh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. It was it was a very effective keynote. And um, and I love that you, you really were real. I mean, there were so many things that you were talking about, how you, you, you painted the portrayal of what it's truly like to be an entrepreneur. And then, you know, you, you, you didn't, you know, there was no BS. You were just saying, this is what it is. This is what you go through. And this is the reality of what you have, even if you think you have a business. You know, there's a difference with passion. There's a difference with business. And there's also a certain level that you have to get in terms of your mindset to elevate your, your business. And you have to be able to do what you're not, what others are not willing to do to get to that point. And you really honed in at that point. And obviously, you're a testament to that. You've lived that life. And then, um, and you know that you're able to create the success you've had so far. So I think that's that's uh, something that's it's really valuable to the people out there, and I appreciate you doing that. Well, thanks for having me on on the show, and thanks for what you're doing. And I just am totally excited by the prospect of somebody listening to this and sending you or even me an email a couple of months from now saying that I was really close to giving up, and then I heard your show, and I just decided to give it a go again. So yeah, no, keep absolutely. doing what you're doing. I appreciate that a little bit. Before you go, though, where can we find out more about you so that people can so, get that access to that? Thanks. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn. You just type in my name, S-H-O-L-A. Last name is A, B is in boy, I, D is in David, O, Y, E. And you can send me a connection request. Send it to um, Shola at digitalauthorlabs.com. We've since rebranded as, as, as ConvertPort. So if you're listening to this and you want to try out our new uh, sales automation platform, just drop me a note either on LinkedIn or you can send a note to inquiries at ConvertPort, C-O-N-V-R-T, port.com. And um, let me know that you heard about it on the show, and we'll set you up with a free trial. If you like it, great. If it doesn't work for you, no biggie. And, yeah, let's get you generating more sales for your business. Love it. Love it. Love it. I'll put all this in the show notes, and we'll make sure we get more people your way and then uh, obviously give you a chance to influence a whole generation of people because I, I believe that the type of work you're doing is, is one that definitely resonates with the millennial generation and the people coming after that generation's here. So, for sure. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 